0: Need custom-made images, videos, and more for your next campaign? Discover Shutterstock Studios, offering end-to-end creative solutions and content for major brands and agencies. With most productions worldwide on pause, Shutterstock Studios is your secret weapon for getting the content you need. Learn more at Shutterstock.com studios.
1: Welcome to the Pop-Up Biz Podcast. I'm your host, Susan Sandler. Together, we'll discover the latest and greatest in experiential retail, marketing, and pop-ups. That means fashion, retail, restaurants, art, and entertainment. You're going to hear about new business models, creative strategies, and the latest technologies available that make pop-up sales and marketing effective for brands. Jeff Snyder is the founder and chief inspiration officer at Inspira Marketing Group, a brand experience agency headquartered in Norwalk, Connecticut and New York City. With more than 20 years of experience, Jeff leads his agency's growth by focusing on building genuine relationships through client development and audience engagement. By humanizing data to deepen their understanding of consumers, Jeff and the Inspira team have created brand experiences that raise awareness and lift sales for emerging CPG clients like Yazio to global entities, including Diageo and Jeep. Jeff's firm is also mission-driven, fueled by a purpose to find a cure for pediatric cancer. And Inspira has earned a spot on Inc. Magazine's 5,000 fastest-growing private U.S. companies for five years in a row. Hi, Jeff. How are you doing?
0: I'm doing great today, Susan. How are you?
1: I'm good. Thank you so much for being with us. So, Jeff, you're known in the industry for having empathy for both the consumer experience and the brands. And you have a reputation out there as one who can translate the needs of both into successful activations, and and that's not easy. I think that you are a person who can step into their shoes to work on something that is really great. And I'd love for you to tell us a little bit about that process. You know, what's the secret sauce over there?
0: I'm, I'm glad you said that. Uh, empathy is something that absolutely fuels this agency and and really at the absolute core of what we are and what we do each and every day. Um, you know, having grown up within this industry, uh, it's just been so incredible that when you get out there, it, it really just gives you the ability to be closest to the customer and really get an understanding to see them so much more as straight demographics and actually just having sort of that two-way conversation and really understanding sort of what drives and motivates them. And as you get into just the experiential design, it really just from a creative perspective, uh, allows you to really just walk, a, walk in their shoes, understanding where all these relevant lifestyle intersections and how we can possibly just interact and engage and, and really sort of light them up and, and have them create synergies where they're in situations where they can fall in love with brands. Um, It's been something that not only has, you know, fueled our work product, but I also think even just our agency as a whole. Um, You know, when I really started Inspire Marketing in in 2008, it really led with that about, you know, what type of agency is it that we want to create? You know, what type of feeling do you want to have when you come to work each day? And what type of environment can we create to really put people uh, in situations where they can be their personal best? It's just been something that's been incredible and really true to, uh, to our DNA since inception.
1: And so do you rely on research, or uh, tell us a little bit more about how you get to that place.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, I think it's funny because a, a lot of times, uh, especially when we're working with companies and brands there, they start with you know, very uh, uh, rich data, uh, really kind of providing a lot of detail uh, from a statistical standpoint. Uh, but one of the things that we really focus on uh, through a different lens, is not so much demographics, but more from ethnography. And that's been something really uh, since we started the agency that's been sort of a, a, a pillar within the organization of really being able to train our people that every consumer interaction, every touch point is an ability to learn. Uh, and sort of training them on some of the fundamentals of really kind of like understanding Um, what makes them tick. And even going a little bit deeper of having kind of these uh, conversations where you can get to know them just a lot better, uh, it just reveals sort of a, a true sense of self. And as you're able to kind of take some of the different nuances, not just necessarily from the demographic information that maybe brands are giving you, but really kind of like understanding, you know, what is the mindset? So we don't really focus on sort of those uh... uh, features that might kind of um, being actually able to put people within those respective boxes but what we try to do is understand sort of what are the short shared values what are the shared mindset within these consumers and we're actually able to almost reverse engineer uh... some information with that of utilizing tools like simmons where you can start getting some actual data points Um, as we start putting this together uh, uh... through sort of the ethnography work we can now really sort of uh, see how this translates into the right source of business from a creative perspective of uh, just really understanding exactly what makes these people tick. And as you're going through sort of that experiential design, how are we going to really curate at every touch point of something that's going to really be so meaningful for them? Um, The ethnography work and even some of the mindset profiling has been really just, I think, such an incredible asset to how we're working with, uh, some of our clients and brands. Uh, it's, it's really incredible too, to see sometimes when they start, uh, translating our, uh, their, their consumer, uh, demographics, uh, their consumer, uh, audience using our terminology. Uh, and it's really kind of fantastic because as we're able to, you know, constantly evolve. The one beautiful thing about experiential is that it's a constant feedback loop. So every day that we're out there is just a new opportunity to continue to refine, to continue to learn, to uh, continue to really kind of feed that flywheel to ensure that we're just making the biggest impact that we can.
1: Right. And it's it's great that you're capturing that information and sharing it with your clients. And it sounds like they're using it and they're listening. And you tend to work with, with larger brands. So you have a large audience that you have to kind of whittle down and understand when you talk about the mindset um, work. So wait a minute. Were you a psychology major? In college,
0: <laughs> you know, I, I wasn't, but I, but uh, but I absolutely feel like one every day. It's it's fantastic, and it's you know we do it's 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 uh, it was we're kind of uh, you know through all things COVID, you kind of do a little bit of uh, uh, analysis just as to kind of who we are and who we're right for it. And it's funny because when we started, um, we really brought uh, I think to this whole industry as a whole, uh, we approach it very much so from a uh, challenger mindset and. Um, you know, knowing that, uh, you know, bootstrap the agency back in 2008, when we came out, um, that we couldn't compete with the big guys and we couldn't, didn't have the resources that some of the holding companies have. Um, and so we really had to take that approach Well, we can't outspend, but we really have to be smart with that. And how can we outsmart? And, um, that's sort of been the approach. So we've throughout the years, we've, we've sort of have just continued to bring that challenger mindset model to the business each and every day. And it's so interesting to see that a lot of these large global companies, oftentimes the number one uh, within their space, really embrace that. Because I think that to really kind of stay and maintain that number one spot where you have everyone on your heels, they really appreciate sort of taking a look at how we how can we sort of take maybe uh, what where our uh, competitors are really starting to gain some steam, how can we sort of utilize some of that same thinking to to stay ahead? So although that we work with some of these large-scale, you know, multinational brands, uh, we still like to kind of bring that challenger mindset to, uh, to the office each and every day.
1: Mm-hmm. And it takes um, a very special staff, I would imagine, to uphold that and and really make it work. And I want to talk a little bit more about your team later on, but I'm curious, why did you get into this business? Like what drew you to experiential marketing?
0: Yeah, I think like most of us, it was uh, coming right out of college. I think I test test, test drove about three or four or five different uh, careers and found out pretty quickly what I didn't like Uh, And it was actually, when I was out of time, I was actually uh, uh, selling beer. I was a a brewery representative for Sam Adams in the uh, uh, early 1990s. Good beer. Great beer. Yes, it was. Yes, it was. Uh, It is uh, to this day, of course. Um, And at that time, I I, uh, just actually kind of stumbled upon uh, this industry as a whole. I did not know it existed Uh, You know, I was a business major in school, didn't know that this world was out there, and I really just fell in love. Um, I had an opportunity to go with one of the world's largest experiential agencies, GMR Marketing, uh, at that time, and working with their Miller and Molson uh, beer uh, portfolio, and it really just opened my eyes. It was one of those things like provided such clarity. And everything clicked that I just had actually you know, found my calling. And since then, I've just been a complete student. I approach each day with just such curiosity and love to see how uh, things have just shifted and evolved.
1: Yeah, I uh, I think that those of us who work in this field have certain personality characteristics in common, and there is something about the endorphin rush of live. Whether you're working in live TV or live events, um, whether it's virtual or in real life, there's a juice that's part of it. I think.
0: Uh, absolutely. I mean, I uh, I live for that, and it's so funny because it's definitely not for the faint of heart. It's. Uh, uh, one of the biggest things I think that sort of filters uh, people uh, probably out of this industry as a whole very quickly is the amount of pressure. You know, when you see sometimes the, uh, the amount of time that uh, advertising agencies are able to develop a campaign and an ad and be able to do reshoots and such and, uh, you know, uh, preparing the, the what-if planning and having those scenarios for the one hundred things that potentially could go wrong is absolutely a rush. And how quickly you can adapt uh, is just is it's thrilling, isn't it?
1: Yeah. And being there, you know, I was never the account person in the agency who could do the plan and walk away. I had to be there, bribing my boss to let me get on the plane and go.
0: <laughs> right, um,
1: right. And I think that that was just so important to actually be able to problem solve and, and see how all of that comes to life in real time.
0: It's, and it's also so fun, isn't it? When, when people, uh, so many people, uh, so often people just see the finished product and they say, oh, my God, you have such a dream job. This is incredible. Look what you get to do. But, of course, they don't see necessarily the, the weeks of, of laborious activity and planning And uh, throughout. It's, it, it really is just such an exceptional uh, field.
1: Oh, yeah, the banner that fell down, the window that cracked, the, <laughs> the ice sculpture that <laughs> melted. <laughs>
0: Uh, I, I found myself at the Super Bowl in Miami uh, working on a campaign with McDonald's when I first started the agency. And uh, we had set up right on, on South Beach. And the winds coming in off the ocean were, were hitting 60, 70 miles uh, an hour. And I'm watching all of these different uh, experiential sets being blown away. I actually oh. camped out holding down the uh the 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 tents just to ensure that it was going to be so all night long just needed to be there to set up for it so it was just uh this is so thrilling (laughs) that's
1: commitment right there Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) okay wait so you just said the word that is the perfect transition which was super bowl i know you guys have done work with jeep um around the winter x games for sure and maybe some other campaigns but how cool was that a super bowl ad with bruce springsteen
0: Oh, was that just so touching? I mean, I'm sitting here staring at a painting of uh, a Bruce Springsteen print in my office. So number one, huge fan. Let me just lead with that. Uh, but it was so incredible and so moving and so emotional. And then even learning afterwards, uh, really at, at how quickly, you know, from a production perspective, uh, that they were able to get that off the ground, um, you know, as a uh, yes, they're they're a client. Uh, yes, I'm a Jeep owner, uh, and it was one of those things that just you know reinforces how such a brand can elicit uh, such emotion like that. It was uh, yeah, very moving.
1: So you had a little bit of the backstory?
0: No, we did not actually. It's funny because we we called uh, you know our our contact up and and believe it or not, they did not have uh, knowledge that they were running this spot up with literally several days before the Super Bowl. So
1: um,
0: I, I, I thought it was just from, uh, I, I mean, I was uber impressed with how quickly they were able to pull that together and uh, in, in such a just an incredible narrative and, and storytelling in that.
1: Wow, that's great. That's great. So um, let's talk a little bit about the Jeep Winter X Games campaign because it was award winning. And it, it sounded like when we talked earlier that it also really solved a lot of problems, um, both for the brand and for the consumers, um, in terms of doing something in that location in January. So talk to us a little bit about that.
0: Yeah, you know, Jeep, Jeep has been, I think, one of the founding sponsors of the uh, Winter X Games for, uh, I think it's coming up on 20 years. Um, and, you know, up, up until that time, uh, you know, they, they really viewed it as a, as a sponsorship, as a, as a media opportunity. And, and part within that was then, you know, having the ability to activate. So it was interesting because historically we looked back at what type of activation that they were doing. And, um, you know, honestly, it, was, it, it, it didn't seem very Jeep-esque. Uh, it, they, they had set up, you know, a very big, large footprint uh, they, they had celebrities, they had athletes that would kind of come through to do meet and greets and photo sessions and autograph signings. Um, and, and then also had to just rely on, uh, identifying, you know, premiums and giveaways to, uh, as an incentive to kind of bring people in. And so they, they came to us with sort of a, a, a plan to, you know, reimagine, um, you know, what that particular, uh, uh, activation could look like. And it was a, Great, great uh, creative exercise for our team because, you know, when you think about this, uh, the X Games in general, right, like just think about the people that it attracts, right, these are people who live on the edge and thrill seekers, I mean, these are people who are usually doing the activity and now they're in a spectator uh, perspective where they're actually, you know, kind of watching these athletes, and then you look about what Jeep stands for, and it's about adventure and freedom and outdoors, and and it really kind of just got our creative juices flowing as to um, how could we create an experience that really spoke to that audience, that really would provide something of value, that would really bring the Jeep brand to life, um, and that kind of led us down down this pursuit. Uh, we. we We ended up hiring a a stunt crew to actually take Jeeps in a a variety of different scenarios, Uh, mountains, snow, mud, desert, sand. Uh, And really within this uh, uh, two- or three-day shoot, we we filmed in complete 360-degree camera to just kind of capture the essence of what it means to drive and and participate in be active in the Jeep itself. And we were able to then take that footage and really kind of create a very nice kind of brand narrative, projecting it within a 360-degree dome environment. And it was absolutely multisensorial. So one of the things that we did when we were kind of like looking into just what it was like as a spectator, from a consumer lens, uh, to be at the X Games. well. You know what? It's actually really cold. It's average temperature in the teens and twenties, and oh, man. people will kind of yeah, it's it's brutal. And so, uh, as we were kind of creating this uh, uh, domed environment, uh, kind of projecting 360 degrees, one of the aspects was that we actually took Jeep heated seats and made <laughs> that a uh, part of the experience that people could you know uh, actually you know sit in to watch this. So. Um, And then it was just being able to just create this multi-sensorial environment where as the Jeep top in the video comes down, we would have air blowing and people are raising their hands as if they're on a ride and and you could smell pine scent that would actually kind of be, you know, filtered through. Um, You know, we created a waffle hut at the at the right outside of our activation, so i don 't know about you, but if you 've ever been skiing and you have that smell you 're instantly drawn to it uh, to actually kind of you know pull you in and and yes, you look data capture was a huge component of it um, and and lead, lead generation, but it was really you know having like a dwell time and an engagement where you know people are spending twenty thirty minutes uh, actually like engaging in the space itself. it was just really such a great way for the brand to really kind of showcase what they are at their best. But at the same time, it just really laddered into that sort of mindset of what the consumer there was from a takeaway perspective. And it was really something that drove revenue as well, which uh, which is always great.
1: Yeah, it sounds like, you know, the customers were taken care of, you know, they were warm and they were fed. And I bet that that was, you know, share worthy. I'm I'm curious, you know, what was the social media uh, component of this?
0: Yes, that was it was a massive component. And there were so many opportunities. Um, One of the things that uh, by design as well. we, the way that we had kind of curated the experience itself was, you know, yes, there was the data capture um, as you came into the footprint, but it really allowed itself for exploration uh, within the space. Um, as people would actually come out of the, uh, the, the virtual reality, the uh, uh, AR sort of domed experience, that's where we had positioned uh, a number of different Jeeps. We had teams set up from uh, photo engagement um, this is where sort of the athletes would also come to do photos taken and, and meet and greets, and it really kind of provide just that sort of amplification. So, uh, yes, there was you know uh, hashtags associated with it, and really sort of encouraged the social sharing um, at that time as well. We had you know we were also testing uh, overall just net promoter score, uh, and then um, it was also filtered in from a lead gen standpoint as well. So uh, at that point. Uh, people could then opt in to get information, which was then kind of you know fed out to the different dealer groups within their respective areas. Um, so it was really, um, it was really just incredible. It was uh, it was so good to see uh, not only the impact that you were making there, but then uh, sort of the brag factor and being able to kind of share uh, share that socially was really just uh, wonderful.
1: Wow, sounds like a lot of fun. And I'm curious. I mean, maybe this is obvious, but what is the impact? for you as an agency and, and for brands around the awards that came out of that. I think that for our uh, digital-first brands and emerging marketers and agencies, our award's still important. It takes a lot of effort, I think, to uh, submit to them. What what do you think about all that?
0: It does, and you know what? Uh, honestly, it, it, historically, it has not been something that's been um, you know of top importance. I think this was one uh one body of work that we were incredibly proud of um uh really just i think it was you know f- from when when you kind of look across that about really kind of creating an environment and experience that uh really kind of speaks to consumers that really uh positions the brand um, sort of in that light that 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 they uh that they embrace um, you know we felt that this was one of of importance um, and <laughs> honestly it was it was overwhelming the response that we got. So uh, I think it was the most decorated and awarded uh, automotive brand of the year and and just uh, through all different channels, from event marketer to chief marketer to the Reggie awards, et cetera. um so it it was a really incredible uh, uh, honor, um especially within those where you know you are maybe respected by your peers. Um, But at the end of the day, uh, um, it's not necessarily about that for us. I think it's really about driving performance, um, you know, with our clients and and helping them achieve the goals that that they've set forth.
1: You were also targeting millennials and Gen Z and in the whole world of sports and eSports, and and that's really important. I'm glad you went for it. Obviously, we've all been kind of suffering because we're the kind of people that like to be with other people and don't mind crowds and want to be in real life, um, as well as utilizing our virtual platforms. But I've been thinking about and, and working with technologies that can provide more contactless solutions, and also thinking about mobile activations. And I know that you had a mobile activation that led to some Serious retail sales for the Allswell brand, uh, which is a mattress brand, correct?
0: Yes, exactly. Um, that that was that was interesting. Um, you know, Allswell is a, is a, a competitor to uh, to Casper, uh, a mattress brand, and um, you know, really was was out there uh, doing a, a very digitally led um, uh, campaign and and was was receiving some success, but. I think a lot of the uh, research and insight work that we had done was that you know when people are making an investment of, of that level uh, and that size, um, comfort really comes into play. Right? This is not something that uh, you, 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 we're talking about every day, every night, you're, you're looking to get a great sleep. And so for that type of decision, uh, really having that ability to uh, lie down, as you would say, uh, was, was important. And so we had... Um, worked with them to, you know, look at, um, you know, potentially, uh, uh doing a series of, uh, of pop-ups, uh, throughout the nation. Uh, but the way that, uh, some of the budget constrictions were set, we actually pivoted to, uh, actually taking the show on the road. Um, so because it was a mattress, uh, one of the ways that we thought that we could creatively, uh, bring that to life was actually through a tiny home. So, uh, quite popular over the last uh, uh... uh... you know few years uh... the tiny home concept and minimalism at its core um, this was fantastic where we actually created a tiny house and took it on the road so it allowed us to really kind of create this um, very very interactive uh, uh... bedroom uh... and uh... we really kind of glammed it up in terms from a social media perspective of uh, encouraging sort of the different social shares but it was it was great. We were able to uh take this across uh, about 13 uh different markets. Um, really heavily leaning into uh influencers, uh more from uh micro influencers though within the particular um, markets themselves. Uh where they would, you know, be able to kind of pre-promote uh where we were coming, when we were coming and then really kind of creating, you know, a very immersive activation. So yes, it was the ability to kind of take them through the tiny house. And just from a sheer curiosity standpoint, people were really just drawn to uh, this thing kind of popping up in in different locations. Um, and then, you know, for some of the venues that we went into where we were staying, maybe for a sustained period of time, um, actually being able to host and curate different events. So whether it was uh, yoga events or pet events of really trying to uh, create sort of environments for people to come out and participate. Um, but the, uh, you know, the great piece was obviously just from sort of the the social sharing from the encouraging, uh, and really just being able to see the lift, uh, in terms from a sales perspective, uh, within those markets when we were, uh, when we were there for the uh, tour itself.
1: The photos of the tiny house were really beautiful. I have to say, I thought it was so cute.
0: We so many people in my company wanted that, but you know, of course, of course, we put a we put a contest uh, overlay on it, where at the end of the tour, uh, we actually did a sweepstakes for all the consumers that participated. So some lucky person got it. <laughs> oh man!
1: Wow! <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've seen homes like that auctioned by. people. Places like Christie's and Sotheby's—I mean, they're really amazing. Especially if there was a particular architect involved, um, that's great. And what about you know media partnerships? How how did you build buzz for the campaign in each market?
0: Yeah, that was uh, that was all done from uh, they. Uh, Oswald did have a, uh, uh, a PR partner uh, on that, and so again, it was you know something with the the, the mobile tour that. You know, the advantages. it just does give you some uh, lead time from a a routing perspective. And so we were really able to, you know, marry a lot of the sort of geo-targeting that we were doing maybe from the social digital efforts along accompanied with um, some of the uh, uh, PR and uh, earned media that was associated with that.
1: And so there were stores in individual markets that definitely saw an increase in sales.
0: Well, so there were no stores. That was it. So this is this was a DTC brand. Uh, this was all uh, 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 online. But what we were able to do was push the right push the media support around that, where um, we could actually just based on by zip codes, you could see uh, purchases that were the results of the tour itself.
1: Right. So it gave a halo effect to the digital sales. Interesting. Gotcha. 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 And what was your experience like, you know, with micro influencers in different markets, does that always go well? Is that a guarantee?
0: You know what? We, 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 we tend to lean into that, uh, very, very heavily. Um, and, and again, this is for clients like, like, uh, Pepsi, Diageo, whatever it may be. Um, but you know, as, as we're kind of, uh, um, I, I, just think where if, if you can work with partners, uh, who, who trust you, Um, and really then having the ability to co-create with some of these micro-influencers to really just put it in their voice, you know, we just see such an increase from an engagement perspective, um, allowing them, you know, some creative license where, um, we can provide them with some of the assets, but, but really having them kind of put it into their own terms. Um, the response has been just fantastic. And, and, you know, for, for some of like in this particular case around a mobile tour, Um, to actually be able to see results of areas where you invest in, uh, invest in those micro influencers, uh, versus markets that you don't, uh, really the, the, the results are, are overwhelming, um, the impact that it has. So it's something that we, we really try to encourage and push, uh, our clients. It is a little bit more labor intensive, as you can imagine. Uh, but it really, I think just the results, uh, really do show, show for themselves.
1: The trick seems to be some level of authenticity, and that word is terribly overused, but meaningful.
0: Yes, exactly. And I think that's what I was saying, too, about, um, you know, I think we, we have, uh, we've, we've had some clients who really are uh, very overly scripted uh, in terms of, of what they want uh, these influencers to say. We find that the ability, if you can provide just some, some guardrails, uh, if you can kind of give them uh, some assets that they could use, but really giving them uh, the flexibility to put it within their own words, within their own voice. That just really, it's just exponential. Uh, They might have a smaller audience, but the level of engagement is tenfold uh, as to what it would be through maybe one of more of the larger kind of national uh, influencers. So Um, it's something that we really, really embrace, um, you know, on a lot of levels. And, and honestly, you know, we've, we've got a very substantial field network, um, you know, people who are on our payroll across the country. And, you know, part of that is actually, uh, working with them, uh, on developing their own social media profiles, encouraging, putting some, uh, education in place as to how they can be, you know, more effective with their posts and tips and such, and in a sense, creating our own network.
1: That's a really smart investment on your part. and did you were you part of the strategy around which markets to go to, or had the brand identified where they wanted to be? The,
0: yeah, it was it was actually something that was uh, uh, done t- uh, together. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, part of it was done from uh, again of of obviously top you know major uh, metros. Uh, and then really, it was uh, something again, just from understanding, again, back to the uh, ethnography piece of, you know, who's really gravitating. So when we look at sort of our uh, source of business, uh, who is actually being drawn towards the Allswell brand? So based on some of the uh, previous data that we had been provided and work we had done, um, it allows you again to kind of provide that mindset profile. You can then sort of reverse engineer it uh, to identify what markets where, again, people who have those shared values and characteristics and mindset where they populate. And that actually helps goes into the design as to not only what markets we go to, but even where we show up.
1: I wanted to ask you about how, you know, the last 12 months have um, boosted your use of technology platforms like Instagram, or maybe even Twitch or other platforms. Have you been in a situation where you've relied more heavily on digital platforms?
0: Yeah, we, uh, absolutely. I think uh, we were probably all in the same boat in, uh, in March or April, sleepless nights, of, uh, of w- really wondering what, what the future um, was going was to hold. And I think that, you know, look, as I look back, um, I think it was fantastic, right? It, it, it helped kind of transform uh, our agency, to be better poised for the future and, and, and honestly probably accelerated things in terms of, of, uh, of, of several months. Um, so, you know, being able to, uh, you know, lean in, I think, I think initially it was, uh, the, the one struggle that we had with, with most of our, our clients was, you know, just from a tonality standpoint, right. Um, a lot, of, a lot of the CPG brands that we worked with were actually having really, great strong sales, uh, due to everyone being, you know, at home. And when you came to, in terms from a marketing perspective, even what's, what's the tone that you're going out with, how are we, are we going out? Um, and so I think once we got over that, it was really being able to just, you know, lean in and figure out how we can really utilize and, and redeploy what we have, uh, through those, those different channels. Um, and so, you know, from, from, uh, uh, uh virtual from, uh, uh, You know, shifting from uh, in real life to to virtual, uh, obviously, has been something that's just been, you know, huge uh, uh, learning for us. And and again, like kind of jumping in and it's just, I think, even as we kind of see it transpiring when things do return, uh, there are so many different elements that will not. Right. And so it's just really kind of uh, very interesting as to how we're going to be poised for moving forward in the future in sort of this new era.
1: Right, right. It might mean bringing on new skill sets to some degree around your staffing. And uh, as you said, you'll be better prepared going forward.
0: Yeah. I, you know, one of the things too, one of the exercises that we've been like kind of following really closely is just also, you know, you think through of uh, just even sort of the future of, you know, urban planning. And you know, uh, as you see, sort of the cityscapes changing and wanting them to eliminate cars and create, you know, more open space. You know, it's, well, what, what's that going to look like then, ten years down the road? Um, and really, sort of how are cities going to transform into sort of these experiential playgrounds? And is it a blending of retail, art, and culture? And uh, I have to tell you, the um, we we sort of do these, we call them Inspire Labs, but we just will kind of pick topics and bring people in from different parties to kind of ideate and think through. And uh, it's really exciting, isn't it? About where things uh, will be headed. Absolutely.
1: I was all into the shared economy idea, getting rid of the cars, sharing workspaces, sharing all kinds. I wonder what the next iteration looks like. It's partial sharing or sharing with masks.
0: (laughs) Right, right, right. Yes. Well, we've got, I've got a, a whole series of ideas around, around what that could look like. And, and again, even with, uh, you know, some of the work that we do with, with Diageo, um, you know, who, who really relies, uh, you know, heavily into on premise, right. For bars and for restaurants. And so, you know, based on that, well, how, how would that evolve? Right. Uh, and so, um, you know, we, we think that there's going to be really sort of some unique opportunities where you'll have these experience centers that, you know, have the ability to incorporate art and music and venues themselves can transform daily, um, you know, into that. And and where cuisine and and social and bars, you know, actually kind of intersects with that. So um, it's really fascinating and, and actually just fun to kind of, you know, think about what that could potentially look like.
1: Many of the brands that I work with are mission driven and digital first. And when you started your agency, you decided to be a mission-driven company to find a cure for pediatric cancer.
0: Yes, my passion, my purpose in life uh, is for that. Uh, unfortunately, I was dealt with the worst news ever. My, my uh, then two-year-old daughter was diagnosed with a very rare form of uh, cancer, was a spinal cord tumor and absolutely devastating she went into emergency surgery she came out initially paralyzed from the chest down had to you know learn to walk again and slowly you know came through had to endure many surgeries many different forms of uh, chemotherapy protocols and really created just a very scary time uh you know for several years as she was dealing with this and and at that time i realized how pediatric cancer is so different from adult cancer and how grossly underfunded it is so for every dollar raised in cancer research only two to three cents goes to pediatric and that became my mission and um, as my daughter started to get better and wanting to get out there and just be a kid again uh... she actually provided me with the strength she was my inspiration so hence the name inspire marketing Uh, to actually take the step and really start my own agency and and lead me to do um, what we've been able to do here. But at our very core, uh, everything is still driven towards that. Uh, So not only are we donating a portion of of profits, but we're donating an inordinate amount of time, uh, effort, and energy in really helping to further that cause. Uh, It's been something that has been um, tremendously fulfilling. Uh, to see the impact that we're making. And I cannot even begin to tell you uh, the type of people that we've been able to attract to Inspira who buy into that, of just being able to do good in the world and make a difference. And it's been so incredible. Uh, I am just so thankful and blessed to surround myself with just such compassionate people uh, to to make that impact. Uh, I will say my daughter is 20 years old she still is battling uh, cancer, but she's doing great.
1: Thank you for sharing that story with us. I'm so happy to hear that she's doing well. And um, wow, that's so inspirational. Inspire marketing. But it does go back to the one of the words we started with, which is empathy. And uh, I can see that's a very real component, um, obviously, in your life and in your work. And the fact that you're attracting people who feel good about getting up in the morning toward that goal.
0: Oh, thank you for that. Yeah, I, I appreciate it. It's, uh, it's been incredible. And you know what? It's also led itself uh, where we, we, now, we now tap into our employees to share what, you know, what's important to you. So as a matter of fact, later today, uh, I'm going to be judging a uh, almost envision this as a pitch competition, if you will. Uh, we broke the company into five different teams. They're ideating around a cause. I have no idea which one. Each one of them selected their own. And they're going to pitch us on ideas as to how the agency could help support and fulfill that. So we've been able to also not only take it where maybe pediatric cancer is my mission and my reason for being and my purpose. Uh, now we're being able to, for the last several years, open it up to the team as well and how we can actually create impact within our community.
1: I would like to be a fly on the wall today for that pitch competition. <laughs> And there's another uh, foundation within your organization that supports uh, women entrepreneurs and I think also has a pitch night for women working in this sector. Can you tell us a little bit about that?
0: Yeah. You know what? This has been great. So um, my, my partner, Kim Lawton, and I have, have had the pleasure of working together for the uh, past 25-plus years, um, and, and I, we just have such an incredible... Uh, team of women uh, within the leadership ranks here at Inspira, Um, and they came to me, and they were really talking about uh, just how inequitable it was out there that, you know, I think it's 40% of businesses uh, are female-owned, yet less than 2% of funding, of VC funding, goes, goes towards those, and um, it really, believe it or not, the purpose actually led to the to the agency, but we, we actually created uh, uh, I'm not a part of we created a, a new company, uh, Enthus Marketing, and their purpose and their mission is really dedicated to supporting and helping um, women-led uh, entrepreneurs. Uh, that comes in many forms. It, it comes in forms of uh, mentoring, uh, obviously being able to offer. Um, creative surf uh, services. Uh, we really work with them on pitch development and how to uh, raise capital. We host pitch nights where again, we're actually'll we'll post uh, you know financial incentives to get people prepared. And then uh, also it's been great because even we've had clients who have come set forth and are now offering up um, their services to actually help shepherd some of the brands that come through and really helping them launch. And again, it's just been really, really incredible.
1: That's fantastic. And so if a company wants to get in touch with you about that, they should go straight to Enthuse Marketing?
0: Enthuse Marketing, and we have the Enthuse Foundation as part of that. Uh, we we have uh, curriculum running constantly, and uh, it's it's an incredible, incredible network. So we're looking for We'd love to help any businesses get off the ground, and for any of those who would be willing to give back and offer their services to help these out, we would love to speak with you.
1: Fantastic. That sounds great. I just love that Inspira has been named one of the best places to work in Connecticut, and I'm getting an idea about why that is. I'm curious, what will your office look like as we start to return to work? Do you expect a hybrid of work life in the future? Or do you think it'll, everyone will come back into the office and return to normal?
0: I, I do. I, I think it's going to be a hybrid. Um, as much as I'd like to get people back here, um, I think we're just so far off of that. Um, you know, look, people people are finding ways of working uh, very effectively. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm sure we're all enduring Zoom fatigue uh, and craving that connection. Um, we we are, are sort of transforming our physical environment here to create a safe workplace for people uh, to come back and when they come back. Um, but at the same time, we're never expecting 100%. We, we've always had, uh, as an agency, a very flexible work schedule, uh, unlimited vacation. And um, I think given the fact now that people are really sort of finding, getting into that rhythm and, and ways of working, we want to encourage that. We want to really kind of set them up for it to be their personal best uh, as to what that means. Um, you know, My guess is that we'll start seeing some teams rotate uh, in and out because I do feel uh, while the, the creative and ideation and brainstorming session is working uh, you know, virtually, uh, there's nothing short of when you get that energy uh, within a room itself. And so uh, I, I long for those days when we can be back, but uh, I also know that it's going to look a lot different than it once did.
1: Right. Well, that's very optimistic. I feel that people are ready to get back to work and brands are certainly ready to to do other kinds of activations. Um, But there's also a hesitancy. And I'm wondering if you have any words of wisdom for brands uh, who are planning out for the rest of this year in terms of how to get their toe back in the water without committing full steam to a large experiential activation.
0: Yeah, I think, well, look... (laughs) number one, I, I, I feel as if uh, just even since January 1st, uh, the mood has lightened, right? I think people are seeing now light at the end of the tunnel. Um, what, the approach that we're taking, uh, um, it's probably not the smartest approach in terms from a, a productivity perspective, but we, we've actually been working with clients on what that return will look like, um, but we're doing it in four different scenarios. <laughs> so, Uh, it's, it's, uh, you know, you can't really sort of predict what the back half of the year will look like, uh, but we'll actually put together and do business planning around, uh, you know, if we're at this stage, this is what it will look like. If we're at a higher stage, this is what it will look like. Um, so what it allows you to do is at least be able to have a vision as to potentially what it could look like. And then along the certain milestones, um, you know, we try to not have, too many financial commitments along that, you know, route and that path, but how we can kind of plan. I I do think that it will look different for some time, uh, just more intimate, more personalized. Um, and we're very excited about that. I think, because again, just some of the ethnography work that you do of, like, really sort of understanding them to be able to curate those um, kind of boutique uh, experiences will be great. But what we are trying to take an approach is to really just kind of provide – Uh, an outlook uh, and viewpoint as to uh, really depending where we were, how your brand could look uh, within that environment.
1: That's really smart. Reduce the risk and provide, you know, more intimate and personalized activations Uh, creates a lot of opportunities. I'm really enjoying working in that arena as well. So thank you so much for sharing this information with us. It's really interesting, and I, I wish you a lot of luck this year. It sounds like you're off to a great start.
0: Thank you so much. I've really enjoyed this. good talk to you for another hour.
1: <laughs> okay, we'll do it again soon, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> Take care. Thanks for listening to the Pop-Up Biz Podcast, where something new is always popping. For guest ideas or to innovate your next pop-up, email me at susan at popupsummer.com. Also, head over to our social media channels on Facebook and Instagram at popupsummer. If you like what you hear, leave us a review on Apple. It's easy. Head over to your Apple Podcast app Scroll through the episodes, click on five stars, and leave a review.